thank you again for your word. And Lord, as we sang this morning, it is something that really brings hope to the hopeless. And Lord, <laughs> heals the broken hearts. What an incredible, incredible love you have for us. We just pray that as we hear your word this morning, that you will help our ears to be open. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So what are we going to talk about? Um, first of all, I'm going to tell you that we do have a Good Friday service coming up. Um, that'll be 9am on Good Friday, so just put that in your memory banks, it's not very far away now, uh, but the Good Friday service will be earlier, just as we usually do Christmas at 9am, we're going to do our Good Friday service at 9am, Easter service will be normal time though, okay, so we'll have a Good Friday service and Easter Sunday service coming up. I was pondering this morning about uh, one of the churches I used to go to when I was a young fella. Uh, in fact, it was, I don't know if you all know about St. Fred's of the Carport. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's an Anglican church at Bees Creek. That's not its actual real name. But when it first started, uh, it was actually in uh, Fred's Pass Hall. So if you went into Fred's Pass, uh, you go into like their big hall and we, we had a church there starting. Well, just so happens we were part of a multi-denominational church in Howard Springs, but all the other churches were coming out like that were part of that multi-denominational church to set up their own churches. And the Anglican church decided they wanted to set up a rural church, so they decided they're going to plant it there at, at Fred's Pass. And they've obviously moved since then to their own building, which is fantastic. But although we weren't going to be there long term, um, my dad, Ron, and myself who was at school at the time, I don't know what's wrong with me sometimes, uh, decided we'll go to church and, and we'd help support the start-up of St. Fred's. And uh, it was really interesting one night, we, we got there and so you got this whole, you know, little group of people and we're worshipping together. Anyway, uh, I don't know how to exactly say it, but have you ever heard cats in the alleyway at night screaming? That was our singing. Honestly, it was atrocious. For some reason that night, everyone was out of tune, off-key, whatever it might be, and I was sitting up the back with Dad, and I just started laughing. <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh, this is hilarious, but it's not funny, but it is funny. And you know how, like, when you're a kid and you're sitting at the dinner table and Dad goes, don't laugh, don't laugh at the dinner table, and you're like, it's not funny, but you just can't help it. And you just laugh because you're not allowed to laugh. It was sort of like that. And, and so I just started laughing and then Dad started laughing. And I don't know what happened after that. I sort of lost track of time. <laughs> but, but the whole point was this, was that there was this out of tuneness happening in that service. It wasn't in the spirit. It was out of, <laughs> out of tune singing. And I'm sure we've all been in situations like that. You know, when everyone else is singing it wrong. Um, that, that happens to me sometimes on the radio, they're, they're singing the song and I'm like, they've got the wrong words, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. But I wanted to talk a little bit about that today in terms of that being out of, out of tune with one another and Jesus' prayer for the church, um, what he wanted us to be like. Because I don't know about you, but this world doesn't seem to be um, too cohesive do you know what I mean? Like, there's lots of opinions and fights and arguments that going on all the time um, in your workplaces, in the community, 
um, in the churches sometimes about different things, you know, and, and some of that was really highlighted during COVID, you know, where people got actually quite angry and vicious at each other. Um, and though they disagreed, they weren't doing it in a very loving way. And in churches sometimes we can tend to, to follow the pattern of the world, even though we're redeemed, we're born again, we're set free and all those sorts of things, that sometimes we actually just follow the pattern of the world. We take on the same characteristics of the world and, and we really have to guard our hearts and more importantly guard the unity that Jesus has called us to. What is it that Jesus is actually calling us to as Christians? Are we just a group of unbelievers that believe in, in terms of our behaviour, our actions, the way we deal with each other? Or have we seen the transformation of Christ help us to negotiate the world in a better way? And, and, you know, as I was thinking about it, there's so many times when there are fights and that amongst us that just really shouldn't happen. There's people wanting their own way. Uh, there's people forcing an opinion. There's all those sorts of things happening. And, and I wonder where God sits looking at that. And today we're going to look at a couple of verses around that. But first of all, I wanted to talk about a prayer that Jesus prayed. And the, the chapter we're going to be looking at is John chapter 17. And Jesus is sort of planning to go to the cross right now. Um, things are happening. And, and so he's been talking about um, just all the different things that, that he wants to pray for, for the disciples at the time. And then he furthers on for us, the people who weren't Christians back then. Um, and so he prayed for the disciples. He wanted them to have unity. He prayed that they were protected so protected from the evil one, the evil of the world that was around them. And that is something important to understand, that though we've been redeemed, we still need to be kept. Uh, we've been regenerated, but we need to be kept. We're pure in heart and mind, but we need to be kept, what Jesus has done for us, all right? And, yeah, so well, let's read a little bit of this. Uh, this is now when you're starting to pray. Yeah, you can put that up again now, John 17. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all those that will believe in me through their message. I pray they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so the world will believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know you sent me, and that you love them as much as you love me. I just love it that Jesus took the time to pray for us that would believe in the future. He prayed for the disciples that were there right then, but he, he, he was like, wait a minute, I'm going to think even further than this. You disciples are going to go out, you're going to be one, you're going to spread the message. And you know what? 2,000 years later, in Darwin... Palmerston, Howard Springs region, there's going to be a group of believers that are gathering together on a Sunday morning that I want to pray for as well. I want to pray for the church at Cornerstone Christian Fellowship right now, Father, and I'm wanting to pray that, that Lord, that somehow that the Spirit of God would move in that place so that they could be one, that they could be united just as we are one. Why? So that God's presence and glory could be displayed in this church. And he wanted us to be 
a ship in the ocean and not have the ocean in the ship. That while we were part of this world, we, we, we're in the world, we're not of the world. That, that somehow the, the atmosphere at Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, as Jesus was praying, and I know it's broader than our church, but let's just keep it real right here today, that, that we need to have this unity as a church. But what does it actually really look like? Are we trusting God to bring this unity or are we starting to go down another path, the path of what we want in this world for our own benefit and say we want everyone to change for me? Are we people that, that demand attention? Are we people that, that look towards church leadership to meet all our needs? Are we there believing that our own effort, our own authority is more than the authority of God? Have we succumbed to the, the whole thing of this world where climbing the ladder, getting ahead, making sure that all my needs are met is the highest priority of everyone? Everyone should have that priority in their life. We gather together as a group of believers and, and we're looking for God's spirit to move, yet is there things in our lives that stop the unity of the spirit? Jesus, as he prayed this prayer, is praying for joy for the disciples. He was praying that they would be filled with joy. Are we even able to enjoy our salvation? Has our Christianity become a chore to us? Has it become, um, I guess, a battle that, you know, I need to get something out of this, I need to do something, I need, I need something for me here. I need people to listen to me. I need people to do what I say. I need people to meet everything that I need today. I'm looking to them and they're falling short. Have we come to this point where we're expecting so much of everyone else but nothing of ourselves that, that we're placing expectations that are unrealistic and ungodly on everyone around us? Looking for people to meet the very needs that they cannot meet. Looking for them to be experts in every area of life so that they can make sure that my life is better. Because if you really look around at how, how we're structured as a society, it's very much structured around that meet my needs. Government, meet my needs. School, meet my needs. Workplace, meet my needs. I want flexibility. I want this. I want that. I want my demands to be met. Church, meet my needs. There seems to be this tipping of the scales, and, and I'm, I'm sure it probably actually isn't. I'm sure this isn't a new generational problem. I don't, I'm sure that in generations past it was exactly the same. But there just seems to be this heavier and heavier reliance on everyone else to make sure that they sort out my life so that my life can be better. I need you to make things easy for me, even if it makes it harder for you. And not allowing the Spirit of God to actually work in our lives, in the community, obviously, without Jesus, that can't happen. But with Jesus, surely... That should be happening in the church. When we talk about unity, it's not talking about being uniform, that we're all one. It's not even talking about, you know, that we have an inst institutional unity where everyone is doing the same thing and thinking the same and that we're all in uniformity. Not at all. Not at all. 
But what we're talking about is not bringing a contentious spirit into the place of worship. Not bringing selfish desires, and as we look further in James in a minute, you'll see how heavy that can be. And this can never be brought about by having a rule of uniformity, a rule of institutional unity that we have to do this, we have to do that. It can only be brought about as we get close to the Father. We as people of God, as we seek his face, as we get to know his heart, that is when unity comes in. Rooted, grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in that shared nature of Christ that is given to us as Christians where we are not of this world anymore, where our nature has been transformed and we are renewed into this image of the Son. Where it brings together all these different parts of the body and brings a unity of spirit. Where we are all working together, where our purpose, where our motives, where our, our, um, our future is shared to see God move in this nation, to see each other benefited from our actions towards others that we take on that nature of Christ. The nature of Christ that, that gave up glory and he came to serve man. Now, it doesn't mean that we, we get walked over and we, we never have you know, order and those sorts of things. But what it's saying is this, Stop complaining and get active. Stop trying to get everybody else to do what you want and start contributing. Contributing in a way that brings the body together rather than relying on one part of the body to provide every function. Begin to seek God to say, what is it that I'm actually meant to be doing? What is it that, that God you're asking me to bring to the table in this place? Where is it that I can strengthen others? Where is it that I can help others? Where is it that I can actually express the love of God in the community that I'm in? And this is how God's presence and glory is displayed in the church. As Jesus was praying, what did he say? Lord, may they be so much united that the world will see salvation, that they will know that God loves them. That as they looked upon the people that Jesus was praying for, they would go, man, those people, there's something so amazing about their life. They, they seem to be, even though they're different, even though they have different opinions at times, somehow there's this, this unity amongst them. They, they see each other. They, they talk to each other. They love each other. They open up their homes to one another. They become one, seeking after God, seeking after his presence. And to God, this is so important. I just want to show you, um, there's two very, very pointed verses here that we'll be looking at, or, or passages, and one which is about the fights in the church. But let's first look at Proverbs 6, verse 16 to 19. There are six things the Lord hates, no, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil. Feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pulls out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. Sows discord in a family. 
It's interesting that as, you know, the writer of Proverbs is writing, he's like, man, there's six things. I know God hates six things. And he does this a few times as if you read through Proverbs, there's a few times where he goes, there are these many things. Oh, no, wait, let me add one more. And it seems that the last thing he added was so different to the other ones in a way. One seems to be all about the community and about, I mean, obviously within a family, all those things would be terrible, but someone who sows discord in a family. Did you know that we are called the family of God? And I wonder what sowing discord might look like. Do you think that happens around you in the world? Do you think that you see that in the world around you, that people are just sowing discord, bringing people against each other? That, that rather than facing issues and talking about it with someone, they'd, they'd much rather talk to 20 other people and slam that other person, make it about them, make it about their character, make it about what they do without right of reply. Anything that pulls apart the cords. So if you look at a rope, you know, and, and the Bible talks about that threefold cord is, is really strong. Twist it around, but... But discord in a family, imagine amongst the church as you're, you're meeting together and all of a sudden one person just decides, I'm going to start to tear this apart. It's usually not a big deal. You know, I mean, it's not usually a big fight. It's these little words, the whispers, the, the talking about each other, the coming against one another without coming to one another to sort things out. And it's like, I'm just going to take that little strand and then I'll take that strand. I'm going to unwind this rope. I'm going to remove the strength that is in the community. I remember when I was in the workforce, um, they'd call it white anting. <laughs> Have you ever heard that term? White anting. And I don't know, um, I hope your house hasn't been eaten by white ants, but we used to have chook sheds down the backyard in, in uh, Hillier Road there, and you'd look at it and, man, it looked great. Hey, the wood looks solid and then all of a sudden you break it off and inside it's all hollowed out by the white ants within. It removed the strength. But it seems to me that God doesn't really like it. <laughs> and there's actually an even more strong verse which I want to show us today. And like I say, this isn't to deal with anything that's happening. This is like for us to go, let's wake up. Because the temptation is that as the world so are we. That's why Jesus is praying to keep them, away, keep them from the evil one. He says, look, I know that, that within this world there's going to be all this temptation. There's going to be something pulling you away from God. Something that will destroy the purpose of God. I know that your desires, your selfishness, your flesh will try to draw you away from him. I know that Satan will try and draw you away from God and so I'm praying that you'll be kept. Let's go and look at James 4 and verse 1 to 4. What's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have? So you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. 
And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realise that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you must make yourself an enemy of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't really want to make myself an enemy of God. I fear him far too much for that to happen. But as we read through this passage, I want you to remember this. No two Christians walking in the Spirit of God towards each other should have fights and quarrels amongst them like that, amongst themselves. What happens is that we sometimes walk away from the Spirit of God and we adopt the world, which is what James is saying here quite strongly. He says, you adulterers, you are not being faithful to God anymore if you act this way. In fact, you're showing that you are not married to him. You are now marrying yourself to the world. You're taking on what is in the world around you and you're letting that infiltrate the church. And you might think, yeah, but what about it says killings and fightings? Can I just remind you of what Jesus said, the Sermon on the Mount? What did he say about murder? He said, if you hate someone, you murdered them. Uh, yeah. That doesn't even make sense, right? Oh, I've hated people before and they're not dead. What Jesus is saying this is the same root, the same seed that is present in hate is present in murder. And I think James is taking it this far to show us that, that you know what, it's not good enough to just let things fester and grow, to let little things get bigger to let problems become mountains. But it seems to stem from this, that, that each one of us, we know what the world tells us. Dream big, all your dreams can come true. You can be anything you want. You can have anything you want. Actually, you deserve everything you want. You deserve it. But what can happen with that is that it creeps into our lives as Christians, isn't it? You know, something's not going our way and someone needs to meet that need. I want it. I want it. I want a better this. I want more this. You're not doing enough. You should be doing this. And especially in the church when you have people trying to walk in their gifts, their callings, and what they can do, they're giving up their time to serve so often. They are picked on, they are bullied and they are abused in what they do because it's not good enough. And what happens then is that's a separation of the ministry of the body that, that actually we're here in this together, that, that the people in Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, we're in this together. And it might not be just necessarily material things that, that's being talked about here, but it's the expectations that you have on other people. But we're meant to be different from the world. No, we're meant to be different. <laughs> you know, no, that's, that's the world. Guys, look at the church. It's so unified. 
There's love between brothers and sisters and, and because of that, people are being brought to Christ. And, and, and what James is saying, you, you go all this way, but in the end, all these things that you really want, you'll never get. And you're looking at man to supply your need anyway. And he says, no, you're not having it because you're not asking God. You should be fixing my emotional problems. Have you asked God? You should be fixing my situation. Have you asked God? Now, I'm not saying that we don't help each other. Don't get me wrong there. But what it is, is where we transfer our reliance on God to reliance on man and reliance on ourselves, and then sometimes we ask with this selfish motive because we're not connected to Christ. We're not abiding in the vine. And I love what it says in, in John 15, you know, that if we are abiding in the vine, we can ask whatever we want and we can have it. You see, as a Christian, you never, be, never need to be afraid of asking God for anything with this one condition, that you're abiding in the vine. That you are drawing close to Jesus not so that you can demand your rights in prayer, but so that you can be changed to ask for what God really wants in prayer. And so what can happen is that out of the, the attitude of selfish spirit that James is seeing in the church here, that bitterness is born out. People obviously have unrealistic expectations. They're criticising, they're blaming and they're working from a selfish motive and not turning to God. But these are the world's motives, guys. I don't know if you've ever seen some sporting videos that are just amazing, but, you know, Olympic finals, someone falls down, someone stops to help them up. It's incredible, isn't it? To see that type of selflessness in people. But then others will just tread all over them. But as a church, as the people of God, there is no winner without us all winning. There's no victor without the church being triumphant. And God is asking for us to join him in that unity and to not pull it apart. I just wanted to show one verse as to how serious God takes it and then a verse of what it's like when we actually walk in unity. So let's, let's have a look at this verse in Corinthians. Don't you realise that all of you together are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. I read this and I was horrified and terrified at the same time. What's this saying? Like we all understand, you know, our body is the temple of God. You might have heard that before, you know, my body is a temple. <laughs> Mine's a big temple. But the togetherness actually makes the temple of God and, and I like that. I like that picture, you know, like we can all think, yeah, well, the Holy Spirit lives in me personally, you know, and I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's where he comes to dwell. But God says, I want you to think a bit broader. 
the temple of God, and we all know, oh, well, you know, the temple is not the church, you know, you don't have to be going to church to be a Christian, but as I read this, firstly, it just says that you together are the temple of God, that, that there's this gathering together of saints that actually makes the church, the temple, the coming together, but, but that's actually quite astonishing, isn't it? that you guys together, you have a look around at all the people here this morning and look at them and go, well, wait a minute. You're the temple of God with me and you are the temple of God with me and you are the temple of God with me. In fact, we are all what the Bible calls living stones. That we're fitted together by the Spirit and God brought us together, not by accident, but he brought us together so that this church could be strong. Because he sees every single stone that's in this place, every member of this temple and says... You have a spot here. God has a purpose here for you, whatever that might be, to somehow build this place up. And I don't mean to build an institution. We never want to do that. But build it up in the terms that that each and every person who comes here feels loved, that feels welcomed, that feels that they're part of something bigger, which is the call of God, that we might spread the gospel to this world around us, that we might make Jesus known that we might do it together. And and what really horrified me, if you could just bring that up again, David, that would be great. Listen to this. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. Holy cow! (laughs) Isn't that strong words? That, That what he's saying is that if you want to destroy the church, that if you want to destroy unity in the church, if you want to pull this temple apart... If you want to sow discord, just watch out. That's what it's saying. Because God's looking and he said, I'm going to destroy you. If you destroy the church, watch out. That's heavy, right? It's heavy on me. But but what it does is wake me up to the fact that I need to actually be more loving, caring, kind, considerate, helpful, committed, supportive, or whatever it might be within this congregation, to not look at people here as people who gather in one spot, that people that gather together, and the temple is not complete because there's a building here. The temple is complete when each and every one of us comes in and gathers together. I remember that old thing, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors, yeah? see all the people? <laughs> There's eight, eight of us. <laughs> but that's what it is, right? The church is not this building. The church is not actually individual Christians either, by the way. The church is the gathering of the saints that come in together and go, you know what, this is worth it. This is worth it. It's worth it. Let's build something here. Let's make God known. Let's show the world that we're united in what we have. We might disagree on some things. We might have differences. And and James, when he's writing, he's not writing to say don't have differences. He says, but it's because you're selfish. It's because you are looking for your own interest that these fights are here. It's not so much that they disagree, but it's how you do it. Rather than talking about it, settling your differences, you, you'd rather kill each other. If the other one's dead, then you are definitely right. That's, that's how I think. I don't know about you, but if you don't exist anymore, my opinion stands. And I'm right. 
can't afford to be like that. So we want to be in that place of unity. Let's bring up our last passage in Psalm. Psalm 133, 1 to 3. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony, for harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as a dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion, and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. So as we work towards this, what we see is that this transformation from a place of turmoil to a place of peace, not just a place of peace. And another version of the Bible says, and there the Lord commands his blessing, that there's even this greater strength behind it, that when we learn to live together in harmony, when we we begin to really allow the spirit, the character of God to transform our lives, and work on things together, we create a place of peace. Wow, I, I want that place. I want it to be that when, when anyone walks into our church, wherever we gather, that they walk through the doors and they're like, wow, this place is peaceful. I never met anyone yet, but I walk through those doors and I just feel good. I feel like God's here. I feel like he is meeting my needs. I feel like he is present. Let's pray for that unity, church, and let's work towards it. Work hard. Work hard, the Bible says, to maintain the unity of the spirit. Don't let it be something that is your second order of business. Make it your priority to live together in unity so that God can command a blessing on this place. Father, I just want to thank you for your goodness. Lord, this morning, I just want to ask that you would acknowledge that prayer of your son, Jesus Christ, on earth. Lord, that for those who believe in the future, those that are born again down the road 2,000 years later, that we would live in unity so that the world would know about you, that the world would know that they are loved by you. Let the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ be effective in this church today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I just want to give opportunity, if, if perhaps you've never actually accepted Jesus Christ as your saviour, to, to make a decision this morning. Mitch talked about the cross this morning and looking at that cross um, Jesus hung on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sin. You might be here this morning, you're like, I've got no peace in my life, um, but Jesus died that you could have peace with him, with the Father, and with other believers. Um, if you want that peace this morning and you just don't have it, I'm going to pray a prayer. You just pray with me and ask Christ into your life to forgive you of your sin and just set you free. Let's just pray. Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I just ask that you forgive me this morning. I want the peace that knowing you brings. And from this day on, I just want to live for you. I thank you that Jesus died for me. I accept your salvation today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
All right, guys, we're going to stand and sing. Um, and as we do, I just want to open the front, like David said, Dave said, <laughs> that we allow space and opportunity for prayer to happen. Um, you can come up this morning, someone from prayer team or an elder or myself, we can pray for you and just pray that God meets your needs. He wants to. Are you looking to people to meet your needs and are you doing it all the time? How about this morning you just twist that around and go, I'm actually going to look to God and we'll give you the opportunity to come up the front and have some prayer. Thanks, guys.